We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Our presenting sponsor is BetUS, a place for you with the NBA Finals here to wager on the games. At BetUS, they have great payouts, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you can dream of. You can join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. Get 125% sign-up bonus using the promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. All right, today's show is with Will DeBerg, who joins me for all of these draft film review podcasts that we did last year and have done so far this year. Will is a assistant men's basketball coach locally here in St. Paul at the University of St. Thomas, and I assigned or we assigned ourselves a, a film review of Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga of the G League, G League Ignite team. And Will, I think the place to kind of frame this conversation before we start talking about who who Green and Kaminga are individually is just kind of about the G League in general. And I'm just, I'm curious of, of your perspective as a coach on how, how this environment for assessing a prospect compared to when you've watched international prospects or just general, you know, NCAA college basketball prospects. What were, what were similarities, differences? I mean, yeah, I think, well, to start, like <laughs> – I think it's important to understand like the those guys are still really dang good in the G League. Like it's not totally. like the the difference between an NBA player and a G League player is very very small. Um so it felt more more than anything it felt like you're watching a an NBA game, you know. I agree completely. Um and you know for me personally I watched obviously a lot of college basketball. I've watched some international basketball with some experience over there. So it's what I watched the least of um but still, I mean, just again, the talent that's in it, the, the the style of play, the way the offense is like every little thing like that is very reminiscent of of the actual NBA. Yeah, it screams NBA, and and I think also just watching the when we're watching these games, the players they're playing against. I mean, actually, a lot of them were the dudes we watched last season as we were assessing, you know, that crop of of draft prospects. So you're you're playing against, you know, the Tyrell Terrys, yep. the Paul Reeds, a bunch of you know, kind of high-level prospects or guys who have been in the league for a while. And Amir Coffey on the Clippers they played against. You know, it's 
It is NBA level players, literally players who are playing in the NBA this season who have been on 10 days, have been on two ways. I mean, Jarrett, Jarrett Jack was the point guard on this, <laughs> exactly. on this Ignite team. Jarrett Jack on the Ignite team. Um, Amir Johnson was also yep. on it. And I think they had one other NBA guy. But for sure, those two guys. So, yeah, it was and, – and I'm with you too. I, I haven't watched a lot of G League in, you know, in my time either. But it, it reminds me a lot of – or reminded me a lot of when I've been at Summer League watching games and kind of like – a step or two above that or summer league is kind of the first couple of days are the best where the best players are playing. It kind of, it kind of felt like that. And for me in just kind of prefacing green and Kaminga for those two to look as athletic as they did within the context of something that looks like the NBA or very close to the NBA that matters a lot for me in my assessment of both of these guys. You kind of stole the, I mean, I was going to say the same thing, the, the difference from high level division one basketball, like a lot of the guys that we watch doing this and the G league, like it's, there's a huge jump as far as athleticism goes. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, for those guys to stand out as 18 year old, 19 year olds in the G league, I just think bodes well. I mean, you just, you know, it's easier to picture them in the NBA yep. because those are the athletes they're going to be going up against. Totally. And, and I think, we're going to start with Jalen Green, but I think Jonathan Kaminga, to me, it really stood out how big he was because, again, we're watching him play against NBA players or low-end NBA players, and he is not only so much more athletic than a lot of them, but also so much so much bigger than they were. And and you know, and, and Jalen Green to some extent too is he didn't totally play point guard, but he was kind of a a combo guard type player. And and sometimes even in the NBA, good combo guards are a little undersized, and he didn't. He didn't strike me as undersized in in any sort of way. There's been some kind of like varying uh, markers of what Jalen Green's like physical measurements are in this. Like if you go to the Ringer, it says he's 165 pounds, which is just that is actually inaccurate. I asked some people, and they said, and you can just look up like when he went to Nike camp and stuff. He's like 175, 180. So what I've heard is Jalen Green is 185 pounds right now, six foot five. 6'8 wingspan, 185 pounds, and that's not huge, but it's a lot of like two guards in the league or kind of like one and a halfs, which I assume Jalen Green will kind of play in the league, um, kind of starting going back to like 2011, I think it was. Ben McLemore is that size, 6'5", 6'8", 189. Alfred Payton, 6'4", 6'8", 185. Jordan Clarkson is almost exactly Jalen Green's size, and this is these NBA players when they came in. Um, to our Timberwolves listeners, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley are about that size. D'Lo's 6'5", he actually has a 6'10 wingspan, weighs 193. Beasley's 6'4 and a half, 6'7", 190. Derek White is also the same size. I threw Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the list I, I yeah, sent you I just because I, I see some kind of similarities um, in their game, and now I'm looking at it. I don't think I listed his uh, listed his wingspan, but he is – let me check my notes here. Shea was 6'6", 6'11 and a half wingspan, 180. And, and then Taylor Maldon, who was a rookie last year, is also this exact same size. So, again, as I always do, I kind of – it's helpful for me to understand how big these guys are so as to picture them in the NBA. I guess that was a little bit less relevant now because I was watching them in the yep. in the G League. But I guess just physically before we get into green as like a player, what did you what did you see of uh, of him as a, as a physical freak? I mean, the, the first thing that stands out is just how – He's got a gear that he can get to that is just on a different level. 
Do you yep. know what I mean? Like he doesn't play at that at that whatever gear all the time. But I mean, he had a couple cuts for dunks and fast breaks for dunks and lobs for dunks that were just like like it kind of makes you realize that not a lot of guys can do that. Do you know what I mean? So just from a from a pure athleticism standpoint, um just like just different than than most guys. Yeah, I, I think and again a lot of the listeners are Timberwolves fans, so Zach Levine. Well, Zach Levine's gonna be a comp that people are gonna hear from him a lot, but I but I think that is at least in terms of athleticism and the what you kind of see when he's playing, that just electric athleticism is is something that Zach Levine had from day one as a scrawny kid lost on the Timberwolves um, to what Jalen Green has now. And and obviously Zach Levine's kind of blossomed into a hell of a player for, for a lot of different reasons. But something he's had from day one is really an electric athleticism. And, and Jalen Green, he'll, he'll have his need to grow in many ways too, but he will be an electric athlete in the NBA next season. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And I think there's a difference between just being able to jump super high and being in a like – an overall electric athlete because mm-hmm. like Jalen Green's like balance and the way he could finish through contact for being relatively under underweight for now like there is something to him and I think the Levine comparison is probably a good one for now just some of the things he does makes you just you know kind of go wow and um yeah I, I think that the biggest difference and just because when I've read around or listened around to other things is Levine you'll hear a lot for him and a big difference in Maybe not a big difference, but right, Zach Levine's an elite three-point shooter right now in the league, and and I don't think Green being a good shooter is, is is out of the question at all. But just that's the nature of kind of the the two guard, the lead ball handler sort of position is the ability to not only make open jump shots, but be, to be able to pull up and shoot them. And and Jalen Green was doing that um, in the G League for G League at night. He didn't shoot like an insane percentage. I think 36.5% on 85 attempts, which is is solid. I, I don't take too much from any of the numbers that happened in this G League time, but watching and just and just watching him, he is a player as I would assess him as a prospect of of somebody who I could see being a guard who gets a high screen and if the if the big drops or if the guard goes under the screen, that you can feel good about him being able to knock that down at a high clip eventually. Or a, a solid clip. Yeah. Eventually. And I think I mean his like I think thirty six and a half percent is pretty solid for an eighteen year old in that in that environment. Like I think that's that bodes well. I think Levine in college, and again, not that it's not apples to apples as far as competition, but Levine was upper thirties also. So he's made a jump shooting yeah. um, since he's gotten to the league. But yeah, I think offensively, like you know, he's got a chance to be an all three levels guy. Put the ball in his hands, run high pick and roll, and just kind of be you know one of those guys that that you kind of just give them the ball and say, go make something happen, you know? And, um, cause from a talent, talent standpoint on offense, like he's, you know, right. he's got a chance to be, to be one of those guys. So again, you mentioned Jarrett Jack. Oh, and Bobby Brown. That was the other NBA. Yeah. Player. Yep. Jarrett Jack and Bobby Brown are on his team and they took a lot of point guard duty time and just blank slate coming into it having the little knowledge I, I knew about it, I kind of thought Jalen Green, you know, was playing in the G League, whatever, like he, you know, is going to kind of be a point guard for this team. He really often functioned as a secondary, but also lead ball handler. I, I think it would be fair to say he played shooting guard 
in in the G League. And um, I don't know. I guess I'm curious if that's where he will ultimately land as a, as a second side creator, or will he be a, a point guard in the league? Do you think that is still up in the air uh, and like a team will pick based on their assessment or the, their roster? Or do you think he ends up being for sure a point guard or for sure an off ball guy? I mean, I think, it, these always come down to, I think, where you go, who you play with. Um, like, if Jared Jack wasn't on that team, I think he probably would have been a point guard. And so, I don't know. I've, like, watching the NBA Finals, right? You've got you've got Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You've got Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And, like, is Chris Middleton the point guard? No. But does he run a right. ton of pick and roll? Yes. Is, De- is Devin Booker the point guard? No. But does he run a ton of pick and roll? Yes. So like, Which is kind of another way of saying this is a stupid question. Like In a way. like It is. In the NBA, no, it yeah, is. Like, so I don't do this all the time, and it, it is. I, I've, never, I've never liked the argument, what position is he? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I think, who cares? Like, what, he's, I don't know. So if I had to bet, I would say he'd be more of the off-ball guy, more of the role he played in the G League. Um, and that's partly because... <laughs> almost every starting point guard in the NBA is really, really damn good. So like, so like it's not really like a knock on him to say he's going to be the off ball guy, but it's just, I don't know. I think he, what did you think of him off the ball? Like, cause I thought he was at his best when you put the ball in his hands and you were like, you know? Yeah, I, I think so too. But, but sometimes putting the ball in a guy's hands when it's, that's not the primary the initial action and you're getting it to, you know, that's your secondary action or, or it's, it's reversed to the second side and then he's creating. Like, I thought he was awesome in those spots. But just, like, in general, he looked a little antsy. He looked a little bit just, like, lost just as, like, a spot-up guy because I doubt he's ever done that before. In his ever. Life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, again, it's why I put Shea Gildas-Alexander in there, even though the, the size didn't work exactly the same. It, it's interesting with Shea to go from having kind of played point guard uh, it, with the Clippers, and and then he goes, then he's on the you know he's on the Thunder, and you got CP, and you got Schroeder, and you got Shea, and so he's playing so much more in this in that kind of second side role that we're talking about. But then then they lose Schroeder, they lose CP, and he's back last year playing point guard, and with Shea looked awesome at all of them, and it's so it's I, I think sometimes it's not it's not about that there is is a certainly a better or worse sort of thing. And I think the team that brings him in will decide based on the personnel that they have. I think the personnel around him will kind of determine I what position he, you get the most out of him, you know, right away. And um, that's why it's going to be interesting, which one of these, these teams he, he comes to next year. Cause where, like, where do you, where do you add in terms of what he'll be able to produce as like, a rookie do you think do you think he's one of those guys where you know it's gonna take some time or do you think he'll be I think like if you told me if you told me next year that you think he'll average 20 a game I would say I agree like like I think he's that yeah and it depends where he goes right and who's the other guard next to him but if he goes to I don't know Houston like right I think there's a chance that a team just puts probably likely yeah I think a team you know if a team just kind of Puts the ball in his hands. Like, what did Ant finish the year averaging? 18, 17? Uh, yeah, I think he got up maybe even to like 19. Yeah, and I think yeah. Ant had a lot more talented offensive players around him where if Ant mm-hmm. didn't have Cat, right. it, you know, I think Ant would have been in the low. So my, my point is that my point is that I think he's talented and good enough on offense to walk into an NBA team next year and average high teens, low 20s on a bad NBA team. So I'm getting the sense that you're pretty high on him. Yeah. 
I am. What um before we get into any minuses, because I, I am too. Um how how as a prospect did he compare to you in terms of like Cade as an offensive prospect? I mean the the thing with Cade that I think Cade's size and vision and shot is on such another level where I would be I think Cade's floor is just so high. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't I agree. And I don't feel the same about like Jalen Green also might struggle for a few years. Whereas Cade, I I just again, we're not experts at this by any means, but I just don't see a world where Cade Cunningham isn't really, really good really, really early. And that's kind of where I'm like, I think he's just on another tier by himself. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, to me, Green falls into the same camp that um, that I think Mobley does and Kaminga does where I, I think there, there's a world where it's a year or two before we're like, oh, there we go. Yep. Or like a year before yep. we're like, here we go. Clicked into place. He's We know he's going to be a good player. Cade, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, It's hard for me to see it. Not – I'm not in the, like, Cade's going to be a superstar boat. I am in the, it's hard for me to see Cade Cunningham not being good in the NBA right. boat. And and so, for me not to, like, get all big board with it, but, like, Green is going, Green is not on that level. But he, he is for sure in, you know, in that next Com- Compare Green to Suggs, because those are the two guys I think that, depending on who you talk to and who you ask, it, they're interchangeable. And I think... Again, you're more connected than I am, but I think if you asked, if you pulled the GMs, I think it would be pretty split on who teams would rather have. And maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but the, the sense I'm getting is green over Suggs. Okay, right now. which um, is funny because I not to cut you off, they they are very different. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Right. Well, why don't you do, com, describe the differences between them? Like I think <laughs> what I like most about Jalen is his scoring and his elite level offensive ball in his hands. Go get a bucket. And I, that's my biggest concern with Jalen. It sucks. Sorry, it sucks. Yeah, it was sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've got no doubt that Jalen Green is going to be able to score at a high level in the NBA. Jalen Suggs, I think he has a chance to, but I, I'm a little bit less. That's certain. what we talked about before. Yeah. Is he going to be able to shoot it at a high level? Yes. Is he going to be able to finish at the rim against NBA competition? However, I think Suggs is going to be a very, very good defender, like an elite defender. And I think he is going to be an elite, like, leader point guard passer like everything you want there i'm not sure jalen green is i'm not sure jalen green can do anything else that well when he doesn't have the ball in his hands which kind of brings us to the defense with jalen green is that's a question mark and i i don't know defense watching these g league games i'm like (laughs) i don't know is that do they care i they care about it. I, I don't know. Every game and half of these G League Ignite games, they were getting blown out by thirty, or they were blowing somebody out by thirty. So it wasn't. If somebody's going to come and like pound the table on the fact that from watching G League tape that Jalen Green is a terrible defender or that Jonathan Kaminga is an awesome defender, I'm going to be like, get out of here. Right. Like you don't. We 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 don't know from that. It's. I think if we're assessing them as as defensive players. You're gonna you're gonna do that when you bring them in for a workout. You're gonna you're gonna be testing their, you know, their size and also their agility and speed and those sort of things. Green, what I would imagine, is is not gonna test in those sort of defensive ways as you know as well. He is not. 
He's not 165, but he's not big. He's not no. strong. And you saw him in that game against the the Rockets G League team, and he's guarding Kevin Porter Jr. and and you know, and that's he couldn't handle him. And and he he got clobbered by screens all the time, and also didn't seem to totally care about that. You know, the the focus of both of these G League players was getting buckets in <laughs> in you know in the in the G League, and that's really with Jalen Suggs. That's the opposite. Like Jalen Suggs so clearly took pride in being the best defender every game for his team and on the floor. Like he was just went and took the ball away from people every game, multiple times. Jalen Green, I don't know. Did you, was there an impressive defensive play? Like, I mean, sometimes he looked athletic and, and, and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, I, I could see him being yeah. good. I don't know. Like Jalen Suggs is, is such a safe bet to be a good defender. Yeah. And I think like for me, and this comes from like the coaching background, one of like, Maybe the first thing I look at, whether it's a high school kid, a college kid, a whatever, is like within the first five or ten minutes, in my mind, I think, does this guy give a shit? Does he care? Like, does like, and it, it doesn't take a long time to learn that. And I think that's another reason why I think Cade is awesome, is because I watch Cade, and I'm like, this kid's 18. He's gonna be the first pick. He's gonna be a millionaire. He gives a shit. Like, he really cares. Offense, defense. Like, he's into it. Suggs, same way. He gives a shit. Jalen Green, I thought actually maybe a B minus B in that category. Huh, I thought I I where Kaminga where Kaminga I would say a D like borderline <laughs> fail. Like yeah, I just wonder how much of that is is G. I, I don't know. Like and and part of this and you're right. G League G League is harder to evaluate than a college game. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the give a shit factor you see in the NCAA all the time. I mean that right. that if there's something great about but like college that, basketball, it's that. But that was. My least, my biggest worry about ants last year was that. Mm, yeah, I didn't think ant cared at all. <laughs> right, and I was proven wrong. Um, so that again, not to talk about Cade Cunningham the whole time, but that's what I love about Cade and Suggs. I thought Jalen Green actually had moments. Yeah, where Kuminga I watched, and I'm like, this dude would rather be just about anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't it doesn't help to be like, oh, you took the path where there's the money, there's the fewer games, there's the, those sort of things. But again, I'm going to try and not with both of these guys. And, and in, I don't know, like we don't know if the G League is good or if it's bad. It's all just a theory people have of if this was better for them or if this was worse for them. And I think a lot of people say it was worse for them, but we don't know, like. I can make a strong argument of both ways. And I think we, we started making that of seeing these guys play against NBA talent. I haven't seen Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes play against a lot of NBA talent. Right. right? You know, and it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it, it's tricky. I just, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't put you. Kaminga is just so much more. He's off on a little bit more disengaged. I thought when I watched Jalen Green, he looked pretty engaged, and I would give, I would give him like the pass. I might might give a, give a shit test. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. said a B B B minus. Like yeah. I think he he really struggled in screens, especially off the ball. Yeah, he he would you could just tell he wasn't sure if he should trail, if he should go under, like. If I was the opposing team, and I think teams did this, I think teams Dude, seek isn't him. Isn't that just coaching a lot? Like. It is, but like I just I just question the coaching that they got. There, but, but I don't know. I mean, in college, man, we're like, don't go. You know, so many times we're like, don't go under the screen. 
sure enough, game gets going fast under the screen. <laughs> three. And it's like, how many, you know what I mean? So it's right, like, fair, it's, fair. and maybe it is coaching. Maybe coaches have to do a better job, say it more, t- whatever. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. I think, look, I don't think he's going to be an elite defender, but I do think he cares. I do think he's got a pretty good sense of all, like, you know, reads and where to be and help side and all that. Um, at a young age. At a young age, yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm more worried about Kaminga's effort, care, like give a sh- I don't know. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll talk some Kaminga. The NBA Finals are here, and this summer's betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. Looking at some of the odds over at BetUS, the Phoenix Suns are now up to nothing in the series, and they are heavy favorites to win the NBA Finals. According to BetUS, BetUS has the Suns at minus 480 to win the series, which means if you risked $100 on the Suns winning the series, you'd win $21 if they did. The bet to make is Chris Paul to win the finals MVP, though, if you like the Suns. The Suns are minus 480 to win the series, right? And CP is minus 150 to win finals MVP. That gap doesn't add up, so throw some money on CP3. And with UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, and football season all just around the corner, you need a sports book. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses, every kind of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online betting for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. It's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS. Receive 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. And if you miss tip-off, forget to bet. That's not a problem. BetUS has live betting as well. The NFL is here. You can bet on week one lines also at BetUS. If you care for blackjack, spin at the reels. There are hundreds of games at the BetUS casino. I bet at BetUS, so should you. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. We made USAA insurance for veterans like Liz and Mike. When they got a bigger car for their soon-to-be-bigger family... USAA helped them get covered and find savings. That was the easy part. USAA, what you're made of, we're made for. All right, well, so Jonathan Kaminga was Jalen Green's teammate, at least for some of the time um, while he was there. He is a gigantic athletic freak. That's that's undeniable. We spent a long time when we were talking about Cade Cunningham, just lauding the idea of a a wing who's six foot eight seven foot wingspan, 220 pounds. Kaminga and Kate Cunningham are, are the same size. And that's just the ideal type of guy that you want. That is the Paul George. That's your, that's your Tobias Harris. That's your Harrison Barnes. That's your Chris Middleton. That's your almost Kawhi Leonard, Dorian Finney-Smith, Aaron Gordon, Jeremy Grant, Cam Reddish, those sort of guys. Like Jonathan Kaminga has all of the physical tools to be a really good wing two-way player um, in the league. And I think a lot of times, in a lot of ways, he did show it. And in, in some ways, he didn't. Uh, it sounds like from our green section that you're a little bit more skeptical on him. I mean, so I I watched the G League game, a random G League game. It was like at 11 o'clock in the morning, some random game. And I was like, oh, I know these, you know, it was before I ever really watched Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, but I was like, oh, I, the Ignite team. I know. So I flipped it on and Kaminga had like, 25 points in the first half. So 20 points. In the, so it just went off. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, who is this guy? And so, you know, in my head before we started doing this, I was like, 
I feel like I'm going to be like pretty high on them just because, you know, when you watch somebody randomly live yeah, first and, time, and they yeah. ball out, you just kind of feel like I watched them early. Like that's my, you know, mm-hmm. you have this like weird little, it's like, it's like that band that you've heard of before, before everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, Kimingo was like the third ranked high school yeah. prospect. It wasn't like a, <laughs> you were way ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like a, you know, a, a sleeper by any means, but then I don't know. Dude, so I watched more Kimingo than, than Jalen. I just felt like I got a better feel of Jalen green. And so I was like, I need to spend, Same. I need to spend more time. So I watched probably, you know, 70% Kaminga, 30% Jalen green. And I did too, man. I, I, and I came up, I came up with the conclusion. I have no idea. Like I have, <laughs> you could tell me out of everybody in the top, like six or seven, I could see literally any scenario for him. So we'll get into specifics about him and shot and defense and all of this and that rebounding. But this might sound weird, but I, I, I want to talk to you about it because we, we did this last year with LaMelo where we didn't know. And I don't – it sounds dumb to compare LaMelo Ball to Jonathan Kaminga. It does. Because for all the questions we had about LaMelo Ball, basketball IQ was not one of them. With Jonathan Kaminga, basketball IQ is – is one of them. Is Probably the one. The the one. But I do have similarities in it where see similarities where LaMelo Ball was a huge guard who had passing ability to play in a pick and roll heavy NBA. That is why he was my number one prospect last year. And that was a I mean, and obviously you watch the tape too. It's not just any big point guard, you're like, I love you. But you know, you you start being like, I see this is where the NBA is going. That's gonna help. That's gonna give LaMelo more stars in my book. If there is another archetype of player in the NBA today that similarly has this additional value, it is the oversized 6'8", 7-foot wingspan wing who can score at all three levels and defend for you on on the other side of the floor. It's if LaMelo's the, the Luka, right, in terms of point guard archetype, then Kaminga is the, you know, is the Paul George type of type of guy in, in that sort of way. And those, to me, in the modern NBA, particularly in the playoffs, are the two most valuable. If it clicks, the ceiling is just so much higher. And the, the value is so much higher. And I know you're already shaking your head at me over there. but I'm nodding my head. Okay, you're nodding your head. I, I just think that Jonathan Kaminga has the has it in there to be great, to be really great. And the numbers won't suggest it. And the times where you see him, you know, making a bad decision will convince you against it and and all those sort of things. But there's a lot of things to be excited about. And those things to be excited about, I think, can either be Paul George and be awesome. And even the step down is like OG Ananobi, something like that. And an, and an awesome defender. I'm not saying Kaminga doesn't have a low floor because I, I could see that too where he just doesn't get it with the basketball IQ. But he is the type of player that I think you want in the NBA right now. I think he's coming in the league at a perfect time where he can play multiple different positions and be really impactful for, for a team in the league for obviously uh, at a high level and for a long time to come. I I actually completely agree with you. It sounds like you're going to be higher on him than I am, but I think yeah. When I say nothing would surprise me, oh, I, I'm agree with I'm with that too. Like I think, 
yeah, there's one scenario where he puts it together. You make the whole, well, he didn't give a shit because he was playing in high school basketball in the G League, but now he's the little mellow. Now he's with NBA guys. Right. Now he's like, all right, I'm going to get my act together. And like physically, he's unbelievable, right? He's, he's strong. He's tall. He's athletic. Like Great first step. Gets low to the ground. Like he's just, he's, you're, if you could design an, an NBA athlete in the lab, that's kind of the guy like you're talking about. That's he fits that mold, right? And yeah, and, and I see a lot of people talking about him like he's raw. And when I think of like raw, I think of like Sekou Domboyo, who's got this size and all, all this stuff too, but has never shown. There isn't tape out there of him knowing how to dribble right. or, or doing the. And you know, it's not like those guys can't work either. Giannis was that coming in, right? But Kaminga, he has this size, he has this athleticism, and he has a bag, and he can. He has a he has a stroke. There aren't things where I'm like. He can't do. So right? you're a believer. You're a believer in his shot. See, I, I don't know, and I want to talk to you about that too. Obviously, the numbers are terrible. What was it? He shot twenty four point six percent from sixteen three. of sixty seventy something, sixty something. Yeah, sixty five. Yeah. So it was. I mean, and his, his true shooting percentage was awful. Like his shooting was bad. But if you go and, you go and watch the shots, they're they're difficult. He's getting he's getting all those Wiggins grenades, right? Late shot clock. They're like. Oh, where's Kamingo? We screwed up the play. Four right. seconds left. Just shoot it, you know. And so I'm, I'm not dismissing the stats, but I don't think he's going to be like an elite shooter in the NBA. It's not like, you know, when we talk about these big wings, it's not going to be like KD, where he's going to be able to like come in to do that. But he could be a mechanical shot guy. I mean, it's funny. I'm watching this at the same time, watching a lot of these G League games at this at, while the Bucks Hawks series was going on, and he's a lot like Cam Reddish to me. Like in 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 that sort of way where you're like, well, if the shot works, it's a pretty yeah. awesome player. And and the shot's a little bit mechanical, but comfortable. He's comfortable with it. It doesn't seem it didn't at least to me, and I it sounds like maybe you're gonna go in a different direction. I don't think he's gonna be like a broke shooter. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I mean I think I think it looks fine. I think the threes he will take in the NBA will be pretty routine rhythm threes like he's never going to be asked to to make tough shots so i think never i mean not for the first while. yeah 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 that's what the first food that's initially just having me a catch and shoot guy but i think his ceiling includes him being yeah a guy who's shooting off the bounce yeah i think i mean again i'm more worried about the defense the the iq and the effort than mm-hmm. the, than the talent because the talent is 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 there and there's a reason he's going to be a top five pick top seven pick. Right. Um, but there's also the reason he's not going to be the number one or number two pick, right? Because I think in a vacuum, if you just look at him, you, you could make an argument that he could go two. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I might make that argument. <laughs> really? I mean, I don't know. No, I, I got to watch. I got to watch more of these guys. That's but my point. But I, I think you just makes sense to me, man. I think that's the, the biggest, my best way I can put it. There's some of these other prospects and, and it's funny watching him play against Pokashevsky in these games. It's like, I'm not saying Pokashevsky can't be good. I just don't, he makes no sense to me. I don't know what it's going to really look like if it is good. And we, we again, same thing with Domboya. Like, there's these guys where we're like, oh, they're these freaks, size, athleticism, whatever. And I like knowing with Jonathan Kaminga, what it will look like if he figures it out. And it would be the same thing with Cam Reddish right now, two years in the league. I like knowing what it will look like if, if he figures it out. And I could see 
with Kaminga. Maybe it's a couple years um, or something, but it's like a Jeremy Grant sort of thing where it's a, you know, it's a slow progression. Maybe you're playing like stretch four at first. You're taking those basic shots. You're being asked to defend. And over time, your role increases and increases and, and you get to be more. I think that though, the tricky part if you're drafting, if we're just doing a draft board, it might be, it might be really a while until it all comes together. And you look at, you know, you look at a guy like Jeremy Grant. I mean, how many teams did he play for before he was on Detroit? You, you only got the four years on your rookie contract. Hamadou Diallo was an awesome athlete, you know, for, for the Thunder. And they, they basically did all his development for four years. And then he finally looked like an NBA player for the first time in his career once he went to Detroit. So I, I think to me that's part of like the risk with him that he might not be good till he's on his second team. Yeah. And, and that's if you're drafting, you don't want that. Like you don't want to be that team doing that. No, I, I agree. And I, and I try not to do the thing where it's like, like he was terrible on defense, but I'm also trying not to be like, read into the being really bad in a G league game type of Uh thing as an 18 year old. Cause clearly he wasn't like, he's thinking about next year. Right. In the Mm -hmm. draft. So like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I can, I, I agree with all the positives. I think, I guess my point is of the five we've done so far, I think he's got the lowest, he's got an incredibly high ceiling, probably a higher ceiling than Mobley, probably higher ceiling than even Suggs. But I think, if it doesn't work, it could like he's probably got the lowest floor too out of the five we've done. And not, just to continue to be positive guy, I will go into negative stuff. But is it fair to say that ceiling ceiling he has the highest ceiling of all five of them? Because what what's Cade's ceiling? As far as I mean, a franchise guard yeah. who's a yeah, yeah, time all star. Right. Cade's got that. I just I I think we do this thing with ceilings where it's like. Yeah, we look too much into the athleticism, athleticism part of the ceiling, which I'm for sure doing right. Now. Right. Yeah. Like, is Cade a worse athlete than Kuminga? Yeah. But so, yeah. So that are we just ranking athleticism? So, correct. Because yeah. I I think we do that a lot of times where it's because then we could say Mobley too. Okay. Correct. So mm-hmm. no, I think Cade has the highest ceiling. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Because I think Cade's ceiling is like call me crazy, but like if in seven years if Cade Cunningham wins the MVP, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be like shocked you know what i mean like right. i think he's going to be that level that tier of guys mm-hmm. um yeah a, a superstar and yeah. and yeah I, I don't i mean i don't know with Kaminga. i i could see him being really good Same. I, I i i really i really could i don't know i i guess i haven't really pinned that down because i do see so much downside or i do see so many like questions with with engagement and stuff and I wonder like what did you think of his feel offensively awful <laughs> I mean <laughs> and I, I wasn't trying to like I wasn't that wasn't yeah. like a loaded question but I just because no. I, I would, sometimes though it was nice it was so weird because it would go both ways it'd be like bam 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 and he's he's pulling up he's created space and he knocks down a, a beautiful shot and it's the same thing he's he's driving and then he dumps it off to the Knicks guy or whatever. The defense. Yeah. <laughs> that happened too. I mean, more often than yeah. not, it was that shot looked terrible and, and, or that pass went to the other team. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not to be like, there were, there were flashes there, but the flashes were really good and the passing, the passing downsides and shot selection downsides were really bad. He, he really struggled to, when he was going to the basket and has to like come to, 
you know, he doesn't have a layup there and he has to come to two feet and start pump faking around. He threw it into the defender a bunch of times, missed, missed shots terribly. Paul Reed guarded him that one game against the Sixers G League team, erased him at the rim every time. He, in the G League, he, unless he was dunking, like catching an alley-oop, and, or just like going in and dunking on somebody, every time he just tried to drive to the rim, he was terrible at finishing. I and, think that and, was... And to, to now, to, for me to be... Pot, like, so was Ant for the first half of the season, too. Good call. And then yep. he figured it out and figured it out as relative. He got a lot better yeah. and made adjustments and really improved. So, yeah, I keep going. Is Sorry. he going to get... Yeah, I, I, actually, Ant's kind of an interesting one. Like, I, I would... It's The Wolves gave Ant so much, right? They gave him so much bandwidth. And the best thing that happened to Ant was D'Lo getting hurt. Exactly. So, now what happened, like, is another team gonna give Kaminga like a ton of room to is another team gonna give Kaminga Anthony Edwards type bandwidth I doubt it just because he is even like he seems even more like I mean who could draft who could draft him let me pull up the yeah so well we got Pistons one Rockets two Cavs three Raptors four Magic five Magic Magic might give him Ant type space um, Thunder six. They kind of are not with Shea. I mean, I think like that's true. But not the Raptors. You want him four. to work with a guard too. Yeah, but I'm saying like Ants got the keys because D'Lo got hurt and the Wolves were bad, and they were like, let's just give him the ball, mm-hmm. and it was a good move. I'm not saying it was, yeah. but but like that ch- pieces fell into place for Ant. It wasn't like it wasn't like that day right. one. So I mean, whoever. It's going to depend on injuries and things like that, how the season's going. Right, which is, which is just kind of interesting with this whole exercise of not that we're like doing this to be right or wrong, but you know, the, the way we're going to kind of look at it is like, oh, five years from now, what? And even when we did last year, what, what was Anthony Edwards? What's James Wiseman? What's, you know, what did these guys become? But it's also like a process of right away, you know, who, who are you, also, who are you right away? Can your team afford to invest in you? And it's just, I think James Wiseman is a good example of this last year where when it's a dude who's going to take a little while, you know, that that's going to be hard depending on, obviously the Warriors are all the way on that one side of the spectrum. But like if Kaminga gets drafted by the Raptors, is he going to play next year? Like, are we doing, are we doing the same thing with, you know, with Wiseman and the Raptors? Like, Oh, why, why didn't they trade? Why don't they trade that pick? Why didn't they trade the Wiseman? I mean, in a weird way, Wiseman and Kaminga are, Kind of similar to what Wiseman was the freakiest athlete of last year's draft, right? Or just like yeah. physical specimen. Yeah. And I would say Kaminga is the craziest physical specimen. Some people might say Mobley, but. I would say Kaminga. But isn't that kind of similar to Wiseman? You know what I'm saying? In a way, I think they play different positions. Well, of course. So if you just want to take who's the who's the freakiest dude in the top 10. But my point is, is that James Wiseman went to last year. And as pretty much everyone, nobody thought that was necessarily like a bad pick at the time. No, not at all. And he played three college games, and teams were going off of his high school tape, and they drafted him because he, you know, he looked freaky. And now with Kaminga, there's just more tape on him because he played, you know, he played in the G League against better competition. Against better competition. So, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I just, again, it's different positions, though. Right? I think teams are going to be high on him. 
And I don't know if that's right or wrong because I don't know if I am. But I think I think if he's like, if he I think goes he's going to go over Suggs for sure. Do you? Yeah. Again, just how about what about what about the Patrick Williams comparison? Yeah. Because I I kind of again Patrick Williams. Remember when we recorded? We're like, should we even do Patrick Williams? Like, might not be a lottery pick. He went four. Yeah. So I meant more of. You're right. I think. But for me, like I remember watching Patrick Williams, and I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. like I see the I see all the the pluses and I mm-hmm. see all the minuses, and I don't know which way is pulling me. Yeah. And I just again, that's without. And, that's a good point. And I think I was low on yeah. Why was I low on Williams and like Kaminga? I don't. I was going to ask you that. That was my next question. But, and I think this is where in a different year. <laughs> this <laughs> Last is, year was tough. This is this is where not having the chance to talk to a kid and watch him interact with oh, teammates totally. and like you know what i mean like i feel like if like and i, I have no idea what this means but like kaminga transferred three times in high school he went to the like he didn't take the traditional route so there are some like yeah he was lived in the congo till he was 14 yeah so i don't i don't know like and that's the stuff that would be really fun to i don't know no yeah well it's it's going to be a, obviously a huge factor in assessing both Kaminga and Green is yeah. is getting to know them, you know, getting a better feeling of what they are like as men, you know, right. and and yeah, these guys are all these guys are all really talented. Yeah, the, these top five guys, and you know, we'll we'll get to Scotty Barnes and those guys too. You know, maybe maybe we'll end up feeling that they belong in this in this yeah. group as well. But well, I think it's crazy because this draft compared to last draft is. And again, it's you can never determine a draft until they get mm-hmm. more than a year or two into the league, right? But this draft is on paper way better, right? Yeah. Like there are the the downsides, the negatives of the top five picks in this draft are so much smaller than the downsides we had with Wiseman and Ant and Lamelo mm-hmm. and Patrick Williams was four. Who am I? Who was five? Who am I missing? I'm drawing a blank. No, I'm all I'm all the way okay. in on this right. one. <laughs> so am I? No, no, no. I, 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 but do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. Which is crazy the difference. It's it's a hundred and eighty degree difference. And I'm not saying this draft is gonna be better, but I'm saying at this point in where we are, yeah, this draft is certainly better and oh different. yeah, than where we were a, a year ago doing this Correct. for for sure. Yet at the same time, this shows you how wild it is. Like I don't know. I don't I'm not sure there's gonna be two guys from this class that are gonna be better than Ant and Lamelo. Maybe not. Definitely yeah. Which you know, it just that's why so much of this is this is undetermined, and why I know we're poking at the athleticism stuff like that, but could go you know that could go a long way, and it can swing both ways. It can totally swing both ways, and you overhype someone because of their athleticism. Um, but it it is it is the path to being surprisingly great. It was that's what it was for Kawhi, right? You know that's why Paul you know and it took Paul George like a couple of years too. I think. If if Kaminga goes to the Magic next year and gets the Anthony Edwards type usage, I don't think he'll be as good as Anthony Edwards. Do I think year three in that Jonathan Kaminga could be a really good player, like growing from that? Yeah, but Ant it just took the first half of the season, then he started getting it. And and Kaminga, I think it's gonna take longer. I, I think the same thing with Mobley personally well i don't think they'll be good as rookies yet like them both I as agree. prospects that's yeah and there's and that's that's the important thing there's a difference between having a good rookie year and having a good nba career <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like 
like you can't judge. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So to put you on the spot, how would you rank the five that we've done in a vacuum? Don't even, don't worry about yeah. who's drafting. Cade, Cade one for sure. Um, and then as of not, and you know, when the time comes, I'll go back and look at Suggs and Mobley a little bit more, but I'd go Cade one green two, Kaminga three Mobley four Suggs five. Which I think is different. I sent you that consensus board thing. Kaminga was sixth on that. Was Suggs or Suggs four, five? Was Scotty Barnes five? Who was five? Yeah, Scotty Barnes was five. So I, I think kind of the actual cons- the consensus right now is Cunningham is one, Green is two, yeah. Mobley's three, Suggs is four, and then Barnes and Kaminga are kind of like five, six. That's like the average, averaging yeah. them all out. Yeah. What's your five right now? <sighs> Man. This is a subject to change. Cade's one. I think Jalen Green's two. And then three, four, five. I I guess I would go Mobley, Suggs, Kaminga. Yeah. But again, I don't. That could be. I feel good about Cade, obviously, and I think Jalen's two. But but then again, like the the hard thing is Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs are. It kind of depends what you value, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're so different. Right. And. And I think why we have why you have Jalen Green at two, why I have Jalen Green at two, is that there's it's that superstar, yeah, upside, you know. And I think Jalen Suggs has really like third best player. That's really good third best player upside. Yeah, like a Drew Holiday, like where he is, yeah, awesome player, awesome. Yeah, actually, that's a really good comp. Yeah, um, and. And I don't know. Ultimately, man, if I'm the freaking Cavs or the Magic, I'm 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 going for for a home run. It's I just think that's well. I think if you look at the young guys in the league right now, you can go down the list. Like you've got you've got Tatum and you've got Booker and you've got you know name your other wings, right? I'm just I can't blanking around like Dame and Steph and all these guys who could be the worst defender in the league. Yeah, and I'm not saying they are, but like Jason Tatum could be the worst defender in the league. And he's still incredibly valuable because mm-hmm. with the ball in his hands, he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I think Jalen Green, I'm not saying it's a lock, but I think Jalen Green could be two, three, four, five years from now, that type of score, a hard, not hardened level, but that in that top tier. I think Shea is the, like the thing. In that, that top tier where it doesn't really matter. Like you want him to be good in other areas, but those don't really matter because yeah. He's just so good with the ball and can score, get to the free throw line, make his free throws, make threes, hit, you know, tough, st- like end of the shot clock. You watch these playoff games, man. So many of these possessions come down to like seven seconds. Like, and that's why mm-hmm. Chris Paul's so good yep. and Booker is so good because it's like, go hit a tough shot in these games that matter. And I think Jalen Green is awesome at that. And, and Jalen Suggs, that is not what he's at least currently best at. Correct, and that's not right. That he's, not that he's not clutch. Obviously, he's clutch. Yeah, what he did, you know. But yeah, ball in his hand, end of the shot clock, end of the you know, end end of the shot clock more than end of the game is important because that happens so much more often. And and those are really, in, really valuable players, you know, in the league right now. And I think Jalen Green has a better chance at becoming very good at that than Jalen Suggs does. Jalen Suggs has a far higher chance of making an all defensive team. Definitely. And probably like he'll probably be like Matisse Thibault level makes all defense, but Thibault's like second made it his second year. Right. So it, and I, it's and not I, that I dislike any of them. I, none of these five guys am I like, 
like, uh, like the one I'm honestly most uh, on is Mobley. And, and that's just kind of comes down to the idea of kind of questioning his shot. Cause I think that'll be really important given his frame to be able to make jumpers at a decently high level. And then, and then he's small. I, I wonder how he'll be able to score on the interior and defend against other bigs on the interior. See, I, I love like watching these playoffs again, not like Gobert couldn't play. Mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez can't play in a lot of these games. I think he, like he's going to be like the Aiton, where it's he's going to play thirty eight minutes a game, and you're never going to you're never going to worry about him. You know he's going to be out there. You know he's not he, like you're never going to throw. I mean, not never, mm-hmm. but you're rarely going to just throw the ball to Aiton and say go get a bucket. But he's you know a good defender. He rebounds yeah. his butt off. Like he's and that's kind point. of that's kind of the Mobley route that I see, and that's why that's why I like him. Yeah. No, I. Like, he's just, never going to be unplayable like some of these other... Yeah, you yeah, know, I, I hear what you're saying, but also with DeAndre Ayton, and, and I think DeAndre Ayton's been awesome in all of this, but is is DeAndre Ayton ever going to be a guy that is the number one on his team? No. And, you know, but so is Mobley? No. But DeAndre Ayton was also the first overall pick. Yeah. So, like, I... Th- but that was a bad first overall pick. In hindsight, yeah. Hindsight, yeah. But, but at the time, it wasn't. That's yeah. what people have to remember. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't have said a bad number one overall pick there's just been and time has shown that the guards the guys that can create as point guards and and score it's funny how it works though because i think had they taken luca which in hindsight they should have they would not be in the finals right now <laughs> no, do you know what i mean like it's yeah. no it is it's it just is. it's weird how that yeah works. There, there are not there are not rights and wrongs no. in, in this of of what we're doing it's just watching these guys and i think it's i think it's fun it's such a it's such an interesting activity to apply what we're seeing these guys be at 19 into not just the NBA, but where we think the NBA is going. And, and that is a, it's a particular bigs, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky part of the calculation. Well, well, this was fun. Um, we'll get back. We'll start maybe hammering out a, more of these more frequently, probably not as in depth um, in the coming weeks, three weeks, exactly. Three till weeks. draft night. Yep. Isn't that nuts? Um, thanks for joining it. He's Will DeBerg again, University of St. Thomas, men's assistant basketball coach. You can follow him on Twitter at WDeBerg14. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Um, I'll be back again with another episode on something this weekend, and uh, I will talk to you then. Till then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.